Chapters ten and eleven of Recollections of Napoleon at St. Helena by Elizabeth Balcom Abel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Ten. While here shall be our home, what best may ease the present misery and render hell more tolerable, if there be cure or charm to respite or deceive or slack the pain of this ill mansion? Milton. Here I and sorrow sit here is my throne shakespeare with the assistance of my daughter's pencil and some rough sketches i had by me i have been enabled to give a view of the briars and the cottage occupied by napoleon whilst he stayed with us he certainly appeared very contented during that time and frequently expressed a strong desire that the government would permit him to remain there by purchasing the estate and on their refusing to do so he sent general montelon to negotiate with my father that he himself might become the purchaser of the briars but circumstances probably political prevented the negotiation from being carried out napoleon used to watch with great interest the fatigue parties of the fifty-third regiment as they wound round the mountains carrying on their shoulders the materials wherewith longwood was to be rendered fit to receive him and as the time of its completion drew nigh he manifested his discontent by grumbling at the fifes and drums to the sound of which the soldiers of the fifty-third used to toil up those steep declivities as their monotonous notes warned him of the speedy termination of his sojourn at our cottage shortly after the emperor left the briars we proposed riding to longwood to see him feeling exceedingly anxious to know how he was accommodated and rather it may be hoping to hear him make a comparison in favour of the sweet place he had left for the sterile-looking domain in which his habitation was now placed and i remember being in a state of ecstasy at the prospect of again beholding my old playmate the loss of whose society i had so deeply regretted we found him seated on the steps of his billiard-room chatting to little tristram montelon the moment he perceived us he started up and hastened towards us running to my mother he saluted her on each cheek after which fashion he welcomed my sister but as usual with me he seized me by the ear and pinching it exclaimed ah mademoiselle betsy êtes-vous sage eh eh he then asked us what we thought of his palace and bidding us follow him said he would show us over his menage we were first conducted to his bedroom which was small and cheerless instead of paper hangings its walls were covered with fluted nankeen and the only decorations i observed were the different portraits of his family which on a former occasion he had shewn to us his bed was the little camp bedstead with green silk hangings on which he said he had slept when on the battlefields of marengo and austerlitz the only thing approaching to magnificence in the furniture of this chamber was a splendid silver wash-hand stand basin and ewer the first object on which his eyes would rest on awaking was a small bust of his son which stood on the mantelpiece facing his bed and above which hung a portrait of marie louise we then passed on through an ante-room to a small chamber in which a bath had been put up for his use and where he passed many hours of the day the apartments appropriated to him were the two i have just mentioned with a dressing-room dining-room drawing-room and billiard-room the latter was built by sir george cockburn and was the only well-proportioned room of which longwood could boast after all these chambers were exhibited and commented on by napoleon he proceeded with us to the kitchen where he desired pierron the confectioner to send in some creams and bonbons for miss betsy thence we went to the larder where he directed our attention to a sheep that was hanging up and said laughingly regardez voilà un mouton pour mon dîner dont on avait une lanterne 
and sure enough it was so the french servants having placed a candle in its lean carcass through which the light shone after we had gone all over the rooms he conducted us to those of madame montelon and introduced me to a little stranger the countess's baby only then six weeks old and which he began dandling so awkwardly that we were in a state of terror lest he should let it fall he occasionally diverted himself by pinching the little creature's nose and chin until it cried when we quizzed him for his gaucherie in handling the child he assured us he had often nursed the little king of rome when he was much younger than the little lily before terminating our visit napoleon took us over the garden and grounds which surrounded his house nothing could express the dreariness of the view which presented itself from them and a spectator unaccustomed to the savage and gigantic scenery of st helena could not fail to be impressed with its singularity on the opposite side the eye rested on a dismal and rugged-looking mountain whose stupendous side was here and there diversified by patches of wild samphire prickly pears and aloes serving to break but slightly the uniform sterility of the iron-coloured rocks the whole range of which exhibited little more than huge apertures of caverns and overhanging cliffs which in the early years of the colonization of the island afforded shelter to herds of wild goats i remember hearing madame bertrand tell my mother that one of napoleon's favourite pastimes was to watch the clouds as they rolled over the highest point of that gigantic mountain and as the mist wreathed themselves into fantastic draperies around its summit sometimes obscuring the valleys from sight and occasionally stretching themselves out far to sea his imagination would take wing and indulge itself in shaping out the future from those vapoury nothings as a diversion to close the day the emperor proposed a ride in his irish jaunting car our horses were accordingly sent on to hutsgate the residence of madame bertrand and accompanied by napoleon we set off at a hard gallop i always was and still am the greatest coward in a carriage and of all vehicles that jaunting car seemed to me to be the one best calculated to inspire terror it was driven by the fearless archambault with unbroken cape horses three abreast round that most dangerous of roads called the devil's punch-bowl the party occupying the side nearest the declivity seemed almost hanging over the precipice while the others were apparently crushed against the gigantic walls formed by the perpendicular rock these were drives which seemed to inspire bonaparte with mischievous pleasure he added to my fright by repeatedly assuring me the horses were running away and that we should all be dashed to pieces i shall never forget the joy i experienced on arriving in safety at madame bertrand's and finding myself once more mounted on my quiet pony tom after napoleon had been on the island a few months some newspapers arrived containing anecdotes of him and all that occurred during his stay at the briars amongst other sotties was a letter written by the marquis de m in which he described all the romping games that had taken place between napoleon and our family such as blind man's buff the sword scenes and ending his communication by observing that miss betsy was the wildest little girl he had ever met and expressing his belief that the young lady was folle this letter had been translated into the german and english journals my father was much enraged at my name thus appearing and wished to call the marquis to an account for his ill-nature but my mother's intercessions prevailed and she obtained an ample apology from the marquis on hearing of the affront that miss betsy had received from the vieux imbecile as napoleon generally denominated him he requested dr o'mara would call at the briars on his way to st james valley with a message to me which was to let me know how i might revenge myself 
it so happened that the marquis prided himself on the peculiar fashion of his wig to which was attached a long queue this embellishment to his head napoleon desired me to burn off with caustic i was always ready for mischief and in this instance had a double inducement on the emperor's promise to reward me on the receipt of the pigtail with the prettiest fan mr solomon's shop contained fortunately i was prevented indulging in this most hoydenish trick by the remonstrances of my mother the next time i saw the emperor his first exclamation was eh bien mademoiselle betsy as-tu obéi mes ordres et gagné l'éventail in reply i made a great merit of being too dutiful a daughter to disobey my mother however much my inclinations prompted me to revenge the insult he pinched my ear in token of approval and said ah miss betsy tu commences à être sage he then called dr omera and asked him if he had procured the fan the doctor replied that there were none pretty enough i believe i looked disappointed on perceiving which napoleon with his usual good nature consoled me with the promise of something prettier and he kept his word in a few days i received a ring of brilliance forming the letter n surmounted by a small eagle the only revenge i took on the marquis was by relating an anecdote of his greedy propensity which diverted napoleon very much he was very fond of cauliflowers which were rare vegetables in this island dining with us one day at the briars his aide-de-camp captain gore had omitted to point out to him that there were some at table and it was only when about to be removed that the marquis espied the retreating dish his rage was most amusing and with much gesticulation he exclaimed bête pourquoi ne m'as-tu pas dit qu'il y avait des choux-fleurs during one of our riding excursions we encountered napoleon who was returning from sandy bay whither he had been to visit mr d who resided there he expressed himself delighted with the place and spoke in high terms of the urbanity of the venerable host of fairyland this gentleman had passed all his life at st helena and had at this time arrived at the advanced age of seventy without ever having left the island his appearance was most prepossessing and to those who loved to revel in the ideal and imaginative he might have been likened to a good genius presiding over the fairy valley in which he dwelt a few years after the emperor's visit mr d was induced to come to england and thinking that he might never again return to his lovely and beloved valley had a tree felled from his own fairyland from under the shade of which he had often viewed the enchanting scenery around and had his coffin made from the wood his arrival in england together with his interesting character being made known to the prince regent afterwards george the fourth his royal highness desired that mr d might be presented to him and his royal highness was so gratified with the interview that he afterwards knighted mr d who subsequently returned to the island of which he was so much enamoured i asked napoleon if he had remarked when at sandy bay three singularly formed rocks shaped like sugar-loaves and called lot's wife and daughters he replied that he had i then related to him an anecdote connected with the largest of the three more than half a century had elapsed since two slaves who preferred a free-booting life to one of labour and subjection secreted themselves in a cave half-way up the declivity which terminates the spiral rock called lot's wife from this stronghold their nocturnal sallies and depredations were carried on with a great success and their retreat remaining for a long while undiscovered they became the terror of the island they were at length however tracked to their rocky hold where they stood a long siege repelling all attacks by rolling stones on their assailants it was at last deemed necessary to send a party of soldiers to fire on them if they refused to surrender 
but this measure was rendered unnecessary by the superior activity of one of the besieging party who managed to climb the rock reach the opposite side of the mountain and clambering up still higher to gain a situation above the cave the mouth of which became thus exposed to the same mode of attack which had effected its defence so that when one of the unfortunate freebooters approached the edge of the precipice to roll down stones he was crushed to death and his companions who were following him severely wounded many of the islanders believe to this day that the ghost of the murdered slave is seen to make the circuit of the wild spot wherein he carried on his nightly orgies a superstition given to an airy nothing a local habitation and a name in st helena every cavern has its spirit and every rock its legend napoleon having listened to my legend of the sugar-loaf mountain said he should regard it with greater interest the next time he rode in that direction eleven to horse to horse now there is nothing gives a man such spirit leavening his blood as cayenne doth a curry as going at full speed byron one of the many instances of napoleon's great good-nature and his kindness in promoting my amusement was on the occasion of the races at deadwood which had been instituted by the hon henry john rouse the present member for westminster and which were at that time anticipated by the inhabitants of the island as a kind of jubilee from having been as was often the case in arrears with my lessons my father by way of punishing me declared that i should not go to the races and fearing that he might be induced to break his determination lent my pony tom to a friend of his for that day my vexation was very great at not knowing where to get a horse and i happened to mention my difficulty to dr o'mara who told napoleon and my delight may be conceived when a short time after all our party had left the briars for deadwood i perceived the doctor winding down the mountain path which led to our house followed by a slave leading a superb grey horse called mameluke with a lady's side saddle and housings of crimson velvet embroidered with gold dr o'mara said that on telling the emperor of my distress he desired the quietest horse in his stable to be immediately prepared for my use this simple good-natured act of the emperor occasioned no small disturbance on the island and sufficiently punished me for acting contrary to my father's wishes by the pain it gave me to hear that he was considered to have committed a breach of discipline in permitting one of his family to ride a horse belonging to the longwood establishment and for which he was reprimanded by the governor we were told by napoleon the next day that he had witnessed the races from the upper windows of general bertrand's house and expressed himself much amused by them he said he supposed i was too much diverted by the gay scene to feel my usual timidity the emperor frequently urged my father to correct me whilst young and said i ought never to be encouraged in my foolish fears or even permitted to indulge therein he said the empress josephine suffered the greatest terror in a carriage and he mentioned several instances of her extreme fright when he was obliged to reprimand her severely if i remember rightly the duchess de brantes mentions in her memoirs of the emperor one of the anecdotes on this subject which he recounted to us there was so very little to vary the monotony of napoleon's life that he took an interest in the most trifling attempts at gaiety in the island and he generally consented to our entreaties to be present at some of the many entertainments which my father delighted in promoting on one occasion my father gave a fete to celebrate the anniversary of my birthday at a pretty little place he possessed within the boundary of the emperor's rides called ross cottage so named as being the abode for a short time of a highly esteemed friend the flag-captain of the northumberland whom napoleon always designated as un bravissimo uomo 
when the festivities were at their height we descried the emperor riding along the hillside towards the house but on seeing such an assembly he sent to say that he would content himself with looking at us from the heights above i did not consider this was fulfilling his promise of coming to the party and not liking to be so disappointed i scampered off to where he had taken up his position and begged he would be present at our festivity telling him he must not refuse since it was my birthday but all my entreaties were unavailing he said he could not make up his mind to descend the hill to be exposed to the gaze of the multitude who wished to gratify their curiosity with the sight of him i insisted however on his tasting a piece of birthday cake which had been sent for that occasion by a friend from england and who little knowing the strict surveillance exercised for all those in any way connected with the fallen chief and his adherents had the cake ornamented with a large eagle this unluckily for us was the subject of much animadversion i named it to napoleon as an inducement for him to eat the cake saying it is the least you can do for getting us into such disgrace having thus induced him to eat a thick slice he pinched my ear calling me a saucy simpleton and galloped away humming or rather attempting to sing with his most unmusical voice vive henri quatre one morning we went to call on madame bertrand and found napoleon seated by her bedside we were about retreating thinking we had been shown into a wrong room when he called out in his imperfect english desiring us to enter and asked what we were afraid of saying i am visiting my dear loaf my mistress my mother observed that the latter term had a strange signification and that it was never used in our language to express friendship he laughed heartily at the awkward error he had made and promised not to forget the interpretation of the word for the future repeating that he only meant to express that madame bertrand was his dear friend it was by napoleon's especial desire that we ventured now and then to correct his english and being very anxious to improve himself he never let an opportunity pass when in our society without trying to converse in english though from his exceedingly bad pronunciation and literal translations it required the most exclusive attention to understand him for my part i seldom had patience to render him much assistance my sister being generally obliged to finish what i had begun for in the middle of his lesson i would walk away attracted by some more frivolous pursuit on returning i was always saluted with a tap on the cheek or a pinch of the ear with the exclamation of ah mademoiselle betsy petite étourdie que vous êtes vous ne devenez jamais sage bonaparte on one occasion asked us if we had seen little arthur who was about a month old and he repeated madame bertrand's speech on introducing the child to him allow me to present to your majesty a subject who has dared to enter the gates of longwood without a pass from sir hudson low he sat a long time chatting and quizzing me about the short waist and petticoats of my frock he took great pleasure in teasing me about my trousers and calling me a little boy which he always made a point of doing whenever he espied the trousers he thought the fashion of wearing short waists very frightful and said if he were governor he should issue an order that the ladies were not to appear dressed in that style before leaving madame bertrand's cottage he joined the children in a game of puss in the corner to which i acted as maitresse de ballet napoleon used to evince great curiosity about the subject of our conversations when we called on lady low at plantation house and asked whether they discussed our visits to longwood i told him that the same sort of interrogation went on there and that i was sure to be sharply though good-naturedly cross-questioned about what we did and what we heard when in his presence one evening whilst on a visit to madame bertrand we strolled up to see mr o'mara who happened to be engaged with the emperor 
cipriani however sent in to say that some ladies were waiting to see him and on napoleon hearing our names he requested us to come in we found him in the billiard-room employed looking over some very large maps and moving about a number of pins some with red heads others with black i asked him what he was doing he replied that he was fighting over again some of his battles and that the red-headed pins were meant to represent the english and the black to indicate the french one of his chief amusements was going through the evolutions of a lost battle to see if it were possible by any better manoeuvring to have won it End of chapters 10 and 11